continue our focus to home and what it means to go home and be home. Luke alluded to this passage yesterday in First Corinthians chapter 8. Um, three places in the New Testament it talks about being known by God. Galatians 4, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to look at number 2 and number 3 in this final presentation. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love fills up. If anyone imagines he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Now, as Luke went through this passage yesterday briefly, he mentioned that this is the idea of belonging to God. And you'll notice that, again, in this passage, there are the key ideas of being known and being loved by God. So again, to be home is to be known, and you are known because you're loved. And we recognize that through Jesus Christ, we could not know him, and yet he called to us and has named us, and when we listen, we are known by God. The passage I'd really like to focus on in this final consideration comes in chapter 13. We'll look at chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And look down to verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish ways, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part that I shall fully know, as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I, for a long time, and still in many ways, find this one of the most empowering, but also one of the most puzzling chapters of the Bible. A few years ago, whenever I was working through the Holy Spirit in detail, I got to 1 Corinthians 13, and was really trying to work through that passage, and it was just befuddling me immensely. And there was one night at camp that I did not have a cabin this year, and I got a chance to talk to Tom about this for about an hour. And he finally forced me out of his room because the kitchen needed to get some rest and he needed to be able to get to bed because he was tired. And we'd had a great discussion and our minds were done. But in that hour-long conversation, I think I finally got some realization and some help about what this passage means. And I'd like to try to channel that and help us to understand what Paul is getting at here. Notice verse 12. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. I know in part, then I shall be fully known, even as I have been fully known. The question that this chapter often evokes is, what is Paul talking about with the perfect that comes? What is the partial that is giving way to the perfect? What does it mean to be a child that then gives way to maturity? What does it mean to see in a mirror, but then to see face to face? What does it mean to know in part, but then to fully so, here's the question we're going to consider. 
What does it mean in verse 12 to know in part, but then to fully know, even as I have been fully known? Well, fortunately, and this was the piece that Tom really helped me to see, Paul is making an allusion here to Numbers chapter 12. Before you go there, I'd like to make a couple observations about this text. In verse 12, he talks about seeing in a mirror dimly. Dimly. Now, your translation perhaps may say darkly there. In the original language, this is the word enigma. Enigmatically. Okay? To be enigmatic, is to speak in riddles. To say something, but not really make sense. Like, this is the way Dumbledore always talks. You yeah. say something, but you know there's a riddle there, and you're really not sure what's going on. You speak enigmatically. You speak in riddles. And also then he says, we shall then see face to face. Now, consider with me for a moment. Both of these are going to come together in Numbers 12. But who in the Old Testament spoke to God face face. Anybody from camp come to mind? Moses. Moses. Let's go before we go to Numbers 12 to Exodus 33. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33. At this point, Moses has led Israel through the Red Sea. They've encamped at Sinai. They've ratified the covenant. And Israel has made the golden calf. Moses is at a second midlife crisis here, and he just is struggling to understand his relationship to Israel and to God post-building path. It says in Exodus 33, verse 7, Exodus 33, verse 7, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought Yahweh would go outside the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp, when Moses went to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at the tent door and watch Moses until he got into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and Yahweh would speak to Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at the tent door. That's Yahweh would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. If you remember, as we discussed in the previous in the previous presentation, our identity is formed, or should be formed much more by listening to God rather than looking at the world around us. And here even this metaphor of speaking to God face to face concerns not so much Moses seeing the pillar and Moses Seeing God, but even for Moses speak to God face to face, means that he listens to God. Now, we understand this, I would say, in the post-2020 world better than before. It's wonderful to be able to communicate over text and email and phone call and Zoom and face chat and Instagram and everything, right? It's wonderful to be able to communicate those ways. But is there anything that really takes the place of face-to-face -face communication? There's not. I had a great interest in communication, of course. There's not. I think for a great many reasons that I could discuss for a good while, there's nothing. There's nothing 
that will ever replace face-to-face communication. God had spoken to Israel. God had come down on Sinai, and a great pillar of cloud had encompassed the mountain, and had spoken to Israel. Israel heard the voice of Yahweh, but they did not speak to him face-to-face. There was one who spoke to God face-to-face, and that was Moses. Israel had a mediator. They had mediated communication through Moses. Only Moses spoke to God face-to-face. Continuing then to verse 12, Moses said to Yahweh, See, you have said to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name. I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found grace or favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Do you notice the knowledge that God has of him here? God knows Moses by name. But he says, please show me your ways in order that I may know you. Didn't Moses already know God? I mean, Moses had just come from the tent of meeting where he spoke to God face to face. Not even Aaron had done this. None of the tribes, certainly none of the Gentile nations, had ever spoken to God face to face. And yet here you have Moses wanting to come to know God more. To want to come to know God more deeply. God knows Moses. But Moses wants to know God even beyond face to face. Consider to this nation as your people. God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with with me, do not bring us out from here. I'm going to skip down to verse 21. Yahweh said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but you shall not see my face. What? Didn't the scripture just say that God spoke to Moses face to face? God's people need the spirit, so God sends his will, right? Doesn't that feel good? (laughs) Didn't the text just say that Moses spoke to God face to face? And yet now the text is saying, my face you shall not see. Well, again, a couple of considerations here. Speaking to God face to face is not about seeing God. It's about the intimacy of hearing the voice of God. To speak to God face to face means that you are brought into an intimate communion with God. Oh, yes. Israel had heard the voice of Yahweh. But only Moses had spoken to God face to face. But even Moses then is wanting to come to a greater knowledge of God. To where even Moses who had spoken to God face to face could not even see the face of God. It's about coming to know God for Now with this in mind, go to Numbers 12. Go to Numbers 12. What we see from Exodus 33 is that speaking to God face to face is not about seeing the face of God so much as it is about being brought close, being brought closer into who God is. 
about not just knowing the works of God, but knowing the ways of God. And we get this, right? Some of you know me as, you know, a preacher, camp counselor. You kind of know me. Others of you know me a bit better. You know my kids' names. You know my wife's names. You know where I live. Others of you know my hobbies. A few of you, I would say here, really know me. And I would say Jessica really knows me. There's a sense in which to know someone face-to-face means that you are brought into greater intimacy with them. To use the word of the day, greater knowledge of them. You know them and they know you. Numbers 12, here we find the sibling rivalry. None of us know anything about this, do we? Miriam and Aaron are a bit jealous. Verse 1, Numbers 12. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses while the Cushite woman, who had been married, excuse me, let this. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said to him, Has Yahweh indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not indeed spoken through us also? And Yahweh heard it. The man Moses was meek more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly Yahweh said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And Yahweh came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called for Aaron and Miriam and both of them came forward. He said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, Yahweh, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth. Clearly, not in, guess what that word is? Enigmas. Riddles. And behold, he beholds the form of Yahweh. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of Yahweh was kindled against him and he departed. Did you notice the text here? God spoke face to face, mouth to mouth, with Moses. But with Miriam and Aaron and the rest of the prophets, God spoke in enigmas. He spoke in riddles. Only Moses knew God. Face to face. Only Moses knew God without riddles. Keep this in mind and let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Look back to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. We're like Miriam and Aaron. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. 
I thought like a child or reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I gave up childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall fully know, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. First of all, notice the certainty of the passage. Paul says in verse 12, even as I have been fully known. You know what that means? God already fully knows us. Our Heavenly Father fully knows us. We are fully known to God. We fully belong to God. He, Andrew, owns us. And we are the children of God. God knows us. We are known by God. But we do not yet fully know. We know through riddles. We know through prophecies. We know through enigmas. But we shall know face to face. Now exactly at what point is this talking about? What Tom helped me to see, and I think this is what Paul is getting at, is a progression of knowledge of God. Each of us in our own lives individually will come to a fuller knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. When the New Testament, the canon scriptures were given, a clearer face-to-face image of Jesus was given. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6 are just resounding there. But then there also is a sense in which in this life we will know in part and we'll see in a mirror that there is coming a time when we are going to go home. I know Brandon's fiance lives in Texas. And they have to probably FaceTime and text and call. It's mediated, right? Right now he talks to his fiance through a mediator. Through technology. But when he gets married, let's pray. You'll be face to face. You will know one another more fully. Because you're face to face. Currently, our knowledge of God is mediated through the once and for all message of Jesus Christ, but also through the scriptures. Our knowledge of God is mediated. One day, when Brandon gets married and the covenant is ratified and they make a home, they will speak face to face. And all the miscommunications that can come over text. You get to speak face to face. One day, we like Moses, or perhaps in a way that Moses could never even have imagined, will be face to face with our Father. We are fully known to him. And one day we will fully no. We are going home. 
And you know what's amazing about this as you look throughout the rest of the New Testament is that God is giving a new name to his people. God is going to call to us and rename us and own us and make us his children eternally. Look at a few texts, if you have the books. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. Skip beginning verse 21 for context. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And he already talked about this passage. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your names and do mighty works in your names? Then I will declare to them, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. Although for a long time in my life, the part of this passage that put the most fear in me were the words depart. I would tell you the part of this passage that most scares me now is the proclamation that Jesus will make claim I never knew you. You never belonged to me. You never were my child. I never knew you. Andy gave me a perfect framework for talking about this. There's the fear of God that motivates us and the love of Christ that controls us. I think in this passage, the fear of God should motivate us home. I've been blessed with loving parents. But I cannot imagine going home and my parents looking at me and saying, Ryan, I don't even know you. I've seen that happen to people in my own family. Sin and transgression will just overtake their life and they'll be taken down paths. You're apart for a few years and you just look at someone and you're just like, I just don't even know you you ever seen someone transform like that in life? Where perhaps you're away from them for a few years, life takes you in different directions, and you come back together and you're just like, I just don't know you. We were created as the image of God. We were created, crowned with glory and honor as the royal children of God who were meant to be the children of God. That was the human vocation. The human calling was to be the royal children of God. That's who we were made known to be. But we can stray from that calling so far. If sin can become our master and Satan our father, to where God will look at us and say, I don't even know you. Let us not go home and hear that. Let us be known by our God. Let us be known by our Father. He knows us fully. We know Him in heart. But when we know Him face to face, may we be known fully. Now let's talk about the love of Christ that controls us. 
if you look over the book of Revelation, there's a contrasting image of this in the book of Revelation. In the letters to the seven churches, Jesus gives a personal commendation to each of the churches. And notice in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone. I'd love to hear your theories about what this is talking about. I'm not going there. But notice what's on the stone. I will give him a white stone with a new name. Written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Notice again. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Have you ever thought about what your name will be in eternity? You know, I, I guess I'm kind of like purple silk skin. I love names. I love origins of names and histories of names. Whenever we were picking out names for our children, I spent a lot of time looking at etymology and trying to figure out what names mean. I just love names. We, who overcome, we, who are children of our Father, who have been adopted into his family. Good job, Vanessa. We who have been adopted into his family will be given a new name. Because you know who will own us and you know who has the right to name us? Our Heavenly Father. I may not be Ryan or Ryan in eternity. <laughs> I don't know what my name will be. But you know what? I know my Heavenly Father is going to give it to me because he will say, Ryan, I know you. I will proclaim my Father, I am known by you. You know me. Chapter 3, verse 17, same thing. Oh, sorry, 3, 5 rather. It's 3, verse 5. The one who conquers will be clothed in white garments and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before the Father and before his angels. Oh, that's amazing. Matthew 10, Jesus does the same thing. Whoever acknowledges me before humanity, I will acknowledge before my Father. If we are faithful to Christ, Jesus Christ himself, our high priest, our king, our savior, our redeemer, the true Adam, our new head, he will proclaim our name before the Father. I don't have to know what my name will be. I don't have to know it. I see in part. I am a child. I see in riddles. But then I will see face to face. Jesus Christ knows what my name will be. He knows what the name of all of his faithful children will be. And he will acknowledge that name before the Father. Don't you want a new name? 
A name that's not corrupted by sin. A, a name that's never been defamed. A name that will last through eternity. I mean, gracious in this age, names are defamed and dragged through the mud. But God will know his people and give us a name. Our adopted Heavenly Father will name us. And we will be fully known by him. I picked one that's a small world last time, and I don't want Chris mad at me. So I'm going to try to redeem myself. It's a small world after all. I'm sorry, i got to see it in my head. I cannot get through it without seeing it. It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. Here we go. It's a world of laughter. It's a world of fears. It's a world... I have to sing it, y'all. Man, hold on. Here we go. A world of friendship. There we go. If anybody wants me to sing it, I can get through the whole thing, I promise. Here we go what a small world heaven will be. You know, in that song, it's a smile and friendship that connect the world. Obviously, shadows of greater things that have united the world in Christ. Have you ever thought about what a small world heaven will be? To what extent we will know one another, will be fully known then, I'm leaving that to God. But it's going to be a small world. You know why? Because God's going to know every last one of us. I mean, as I got into the FC family and I started to realize how small of a world it was, even though there's thousands of people and every last one of them know one another somehow and you're like one step away from somebody, it's like, oh my gracious. It's a small world that knows everybody. That's what our eternal home is going to be like. Because we will be known by God. Every last one of us will be known by our Father in heaven and the Son and the Spirit. We will be full of I'd like to close by reading from Isaiah chapter 43. I debated between closing between Isaiah 139, Isaiah, Psalm 139, which is deeply about our knowledge of God and his knowledge of us, but that one's probably more familiar to you, so I want to close with Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. Verse 1. But now that says the Lord, he created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I, Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I give Egypt as your ransom. Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are so precious in my eyes and have honored, and I love you, I give men in return for you. Peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west, and I will gather them. I will say to the north, give up. To the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, 
and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed in me. Let us pray. Our God, you made us. And yet we turned against you. We sought not the knowledge of you, but the knowledge of this world. And because we have sought to know other gods, we were lost, neither knowing you, albeit even not even knowing who we ourselves were. But God, thank you for loving us enough to know us. Thank you for adopting us back into your family through Christ. Thank you for making yourself known to us, and thank you for letting us know you. And thank you for letting us know you through your love. Father, I pray that as we leave this recharge weekend, this afternoon, and as we go back to our lives, that you strengthen us to listen to you daily. That we listen to you as you call us home each day. Help us to realize more fully and more truly that heaven indeed is our home and that there is a new name awaiting each of us. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Strengthen us to get back home. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Yeah.